I once read a very interesting story in a book on stewardship, and it has stuck with me to this day. I think I read this like my first year at Salem. It's a story of a rich man living in our times. He had grown up with nothing. He lived in a really difficult neighborhood, and it didn't afford him many opportunities. The one thing that helped him get through all of this was his local Boys and Girls Club. It was there that he could burn off energy by participating in local sports activities with kids his age. It helped keep him out of trouble. While Jesus may be our salvation in heaven, it was likely his salvation on earth. The man eventually grew up to become a self-motivated human being, making millions of dollars off a company he had founded and built. And when he had made his money, he decided to give back to that Boys and Girls Club by building them an entirely new space. He praised the organization for what they had meant to him and claimed that he likely would have been dead if not for its presence in his neighborhood. Now, the man was also a faithful church attendee. He sat on the council and he served as an usher. And as I said in the beginning of the sermon, he is a very wealthy man. When asked how much he gave to the church, he answered, not much. And why was that? Because the church had never done anything for him, certainly not in the same way that the Boys and Girls Club did. Now, it's easy to knock the man, and if I was his pastor, I certainly would. But I think there's a deeper lesson here. It's not that the man doesn't appreciate going to church. Many of you in here have served on council. You know what a time drain that is. You obviously have some appreciation uh, for this place if you're serving on council or serving in in another role. But being part of a faith community had meant so little to him that while he was willing to invest his time, at the same time he was willing to invest so precious few of his treasures. Now, I don't know this man, Again, I just read this story in a book. It could very well be apocryphal. But I will tell you that I personally value my sleep and my free time. And if I was participating in a church community without getting anything out of it, I would wonder why I was going in the first place. Now, I've noticed something the past few months, a disturbance in the force, if you will. And it was validated to me not long after we had finished our ministry review. I think our congregation has a lot going on. For a church our size, we do a lot of great stuff. And we promote that stuff well. And we have great leaders that do amazing things. But one of the things that we've been tasked with in the ministry review, in the mission review, is to improve our discipleship. We as a congregation need to get bolder, not about addressing why our church is awesome, because we all know that it is. That's obvious. Rather, we need to begin broadcasting why God is awesome, and why and how we find God in this beautiful congregation. You all have come to Salem for many and various reasons. You were baptized here. Someone invited you. We found our website, it was just around the corner, the music was good, the preaching was good, the fellowship hour was good, you liked the young adult group, you liked the e-letter, whatever it was, you're here. That's all well and good. 
But what keeps you coming here every Sunday cannot be me. It cannot be your friends. It cannot be the things that you do. What keeps you here has got to be God. On some level, you have to be here because you find God here. And if you don't find God, then maybe coming here nudges your relationship with God in the right direction. That's what we're in the business of doing more than anything. And it's something we need to work on together as a church. Today's gospel is a very brief text, yet it contains an important message. And while it might not be tonally similar to last week's Good Samaritan, the sensory theme is there. Last week it was seeing. Jesus asked his followers to see who their neighbor really is when he told them that parable. Today it's listening. Jesus is calling his followers to listen to his words in, the, in fellowship and to put him first. We see the listening done today by Mary as contrasted to the eternally busy Martha. Now, as I said earlier, I don't really like coming down on Martha. Martha is acting in the role of the perfectly gracious host, a duty she is responsible for. We read just a few weeks ago about how Jesus criticized a host for being inhospitable, whereas Martha is the bastion of hospitality. It's important to be welcoming to a guest, especially a guest with such prestige as Jesus. I've heard from many of you that part of the reason you came to Salem and kept coming back was the hospitality of others. That's good. I absolutely believe that. You are all good people, and so is Martha. But what this story challenges us to be is not just good hosts, though that is important, but to be hearers and doers of God's word. In earlier verses, it is revealed that Jesus has set his face towards Jerusalem, where he will meet his end. In this text, he does not have a lot of time left on earth, just a meager three years to do all that he can. To put it in perspective, I've been at Salem a year longer than Jesus was with his disciples. There is a sense of holy urgency with all that Jesus does. And he has a lot of good things to say and do. Yet we have to be willing to listen in order to grow. We can do a lot for Jesus. But we have to show love for Jesus. I liken this to any relationship that we have. And I, I always recommend to, to couples that I'm doing premarital counseling with, uh, and really to anyone uh, who has someone, a uh, long-term lover, spouse, significant other, whatever, Five Love Languages, a fantastic book. But really, like for any relationship, your spouses and lovers, your siblings, your friends, your family, whatever, we all do things to show our appreciation for that respective relationship. But the primary thing you have to do is you have to grow in love for them. Now, if you're taking your significant other out to eat every week or so, that's good. You know, you're showing, showing it off, whatever. But if you're not speaking their love language, your relationship has a problem. Likewise with God. Salem is great, but our witness has to be first and foremost how we find the greatness of God at Salem. It is considering what connects you 
to God in this church and incorporating that into your story. Hey, I experience God here. I experience it every time the Salem singers sing. I experience it every time I share fellowship with these wonderful people. I experience it every time we have a Love Thy Neighbor gathering or in Vespers. I experience it in so many awesome ways, and I would love to share it with you. You don't have to convert or die. You don't have to, you know, be saved or whatever. I'm not asking any of that. I'm just simply telling you, this is where I find God, and this is how I find God in Salem, and I welcome you to join me. It is easy to be distracted because there is a lot to do to make Salem run. I, God bless you, Council. That was one heck of a meeting Thursday night. But we must first focus on why we do this. It is not to glorify ourselves, and it is not to glorify Salem, it is to glorify God. Or to put it in a more familiar way, this is not my church, this is not Salem's church, this is the Lord's church. For the resurrected Christ has welcomed you to his church. Come and follow him. Amen.